From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Scott Morrison is waging a war on two fronts this week. He's locked in a battle with state governments to reopen their domestic borders, and he's increasingly blaming the Victorian government for the severity of the state's second wave. Today, columnist for the Saturday paper, Paul Bongiorno, on the growing political divide across the country. Paul, one week ago, exactly, the the National Cabinet met up to discuss, among other things, border closures. So how did it go? Oh, well, Ruby, the National Cabinet, this hastily constructed vehicle Morrison uh, made to coordinate a coherent response to the coronavirus pandemic crisis, well, it's well and truly fractured. And as you said, the main issue the Prime Minister is pressing is border closures. He wants all state and territory leaders to agree to a reopening by Christmas. But he's hampered by the fact that the virtual cabinet room is not full of ministers of his government who owe their positions to him and who broadly share his political worldview. These are leaders in their own right of six states and two territories. And this, after all, is the dynamic of the 119-year-old Australian Federation. It demands uh, the sort of leadership from a Prime Minister uh, with skills of negotiation and persuasion that can achieve the required consensus to advance the national interest. Now, for someone with a reputation as a lone ranger, these are qualities colleagues say would not come easily to Morrison... Of course, what was said inside is hidden in a cloak of secrecy. But after the meeting, we heard a few different versions of how it all played out. Okay, so what did did Scott Morrison say about how the negotiations went? Oh, well, uh, Scott Morrison emerged from the meeting uh, a defeated leader and announced that the actual functioning of the National Cabinet would have to change. So we've decided that this notion of 100% absolute consensus on any issue is not a way that the National Cabinet can indeed work. Uh, Now, Ruby, uh, if uh, consensus meant everybody agreeing with Morrison all the time, well, it was always going to fail. Morrison told the gathered media in his Parliament House courtyard that not everyone has to get on the bus for the bus to leave the station. But it is important the bus leaves the station, and we all agree on that. We all agree on that. Even when on occasion some might not want to get on, they know we need to keep moving forward. He claimed he had seven of the eight leaders as passengers on his bus heading to a destination of that pre-Christmas opening of their borders. We said before we wanted to get there in July and the virus prevented us from achieving that. Seven out of eight states of territories want us to get back to that position in December of this year. To facilitate the management of the pandemic, he was proposing a hotspot definition of an infection outbreak. This would restrict closures or lockdowns to local areas and minimise disruptions to the business of the nation. Right. And so, Paul, who was and was not on Scott Morrison's metaphorical bus? (laughs) Well, Western Australia was definitely not on board. And Queensland's Anastasia Palaszczuk later that night tweeted that she had not agreed to the federal government's hotspot definition. 
and she signalled that uh, Christmas was not a done deal, throwing her support behind the WA position. She tweeted, I agree with WA, our borders protect our health and protect our economy. And then by Sunday night, Morrison had also abandoned any pretense of consensus with Victoria's Daniel Andrews. The Prime Minister and his most senior Victorian colleagues, Treasurer Josh Frydenberg and Health Minister Greg Hunt, in a statement, slammed the Premier's roadmap out of COVID-19 restrictions. Mm, So WA and Queensland are definitely off the bus and now the stoush between the federal government and Victoria has, has become worse. So just how bad is it? Well, the Prime Minister and his colleagues said that the extended lockdown and the benchmarks for containment of the virus were, quote, hard and crushing news for the people of Victoria. The blame was laid squarely on the state government for, quote, the impact and costs that result from not being able to contain COVID-19 outbreaks, resulting from high rates of community transmission. No mention of the more than 500 coronavirus deaths in aged care homes in the state, funded and regulated by the Commonwealth. And with four weeks to go before the delayed federal budget is unveiled, the statement said Victoria will impact the national economy, quote, in further job losses and loss of livelihoods, as well as impacting on mental health. And Ruby, not to be missed, according to the PM, those decisions are solely the work of the Andrews government. We'll be back in a moment. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest, Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Paul, this week, as you mentioned, the Victorian government unveiled its roadmap out of the pandemic, which seemed to infuriate the federal government. So let's talk about the fallout from that. And I know Victorians, and Greg has just joined us today directly from Victoria. The feeling out there today is hard. They're frustrated. The mental health of Victorians will be sorely tested. Well, on Monday, Morrison wheeled out the new Secretary of the Department of Health, uh, Brendan Murphy, and Greg Hunt to further attack Daniel Andrews' roadmap. The health minister quoted leading experts querying the basis for the plan proffered by the Premier and his chief health officer, Brett Sutton. Professor Tony Blakely from the University of Melbourne, one of the authors of the modelling, subsequently said, if we do our contact tracing better than we did three months ago, the contact tracers may be able to hold the case count without it going up again as badly as our model suggests. 
I've got to say it was an impressive lineup of experts, infectious disease experts, Singapore-based Dale Fisher, from the Australian National University, Professor Peter Collignon, and from the Doherty Institute, Jody McVernon, all doubted the need for the severity and timeline in Victoria. Right, OK. Now, Professor Brendan Murphy agreed with the Prime Minister's characterisation that New South Wales was the gold standard in terms of its response to the virus, and particularly in its contact tracing. New South Wales is the exemplar. They've had a, a proud history of many, many years of advanced investment in public health. They've had good systems... He said Victoria had played an urgent catch-up and was now in a better position. Uh, this faint praise ended with a backhander. I think they are in a stronger position, a much, much stronger position now, and I hope that they can feel confident with the strength of their position to take a somewhat less conservative approach to their restrictions. Mm, so that is fairly strident criticism, Paul, and if federal support is pulled back from Victoria that could have a fairly devastating impact. Oh, yeah. And this angered one of Labor's most senior Victorian MPs, former opposition leader Bill Shorten. He shared Morrison's hope that the plan was a worst-case scenario and restrictions could come off sooner. Well, hopefully what we saw on Sunday was a, was a worst-case scenario and that if the numbers and the cases fall more quickly than the uh, health experts are projecting, well, then hopefully some of the restrictions can be revisited uh, in a more timely fashion. I should say this isn't just... Shorten said he'd been inundated with complaints, especially from small business looking for relief and support. But he praised Andrews for giving 100% in the fight to contain the virus. But people also just want to see it finished. They want to see the beaten. They want to see the case numbers come down. And the Labor MP also accused Morrison, in a conversation with me, of trying to abdicate his responsibility. But, Ruby, there was also unexpected support for Andrews from two former federal Liberal leaders, former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull and former opposition leader John Hewson. I'm joined now by former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull. Malcolm Turnbull, welcome. Hey, great. Good to see you. Great to be with you. Turnbull on ABC TV's afternoon briefing said there was a lot of blame to go around for where Victoria now is, but critics needed to offer solutions. They are where they are. And so the question I think that, you know, uh, could be asked of uh, Scott Morrison is what would you suggest Andrews should do differently right now? Dr Hewson tweeted, no more cheap shots. If Morrison doesn't like or accept Andrew's pathway, let him detail his alternative, for which he can be held fully accountable. OK, and how is the Victorian Premier, Daniel Andrews, handling this kind of reaction to his plan? Well, midweek, Andrews defended his roadmap while acknowledging the anger and frustration in Victoria. He said if these emotions were like a vaccine... Uh, then we'd all be in a much better position. But to do that is not an act of leadership. That is to cave to some of the pressure that's there, to be driven by the anger instead of the epidemiology, to be driven by opinion instead of science and data and doctors. That is not what I'm about. Then the Premier said it was not accurate to say he had chosen one way to go from 50 options. 
The danger opening too early is a yo-yo effect of repeated lockdowns as infections surge again. And Ruby, while the numbers jumped around this week, the trend is definitely down. And Paul, given what's happening in Victoria, do you think that Scott Morrison's criticism is fair? Have things been mishandled or... Is this just a sort of opportunistic swipe at at a Labor state and a way to deflect responsibility? Well, Ruby, I I think it's a bit of all of the above. Uh, There's no doubt that Andrews uh, and Sutton have uh, made mistakes in delivery and, I would say, in messaging. I think they're learning as they go and they've played pretty urgent catch-up, as Professor Murphy said. But the fact is, Morrison's gold standard New South Wales is one super spreader away from a Victoria-like disaster. And the ABC's Dr Norman Swan, who's also a physician, says it's as much good luck as good management for the government in Sydney. Premier Berejiklian is more aware of the risk, it seems to me, than the Prime Minister. She said touch wood that it doesn't happen in New South Wales. Paul, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks again, Ruby. Bye. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Also in the news today, the Queensland Premier has accused the Prime Minister of bullying her to intervene in the case of a Canberra woman who's unable to attend her father's funeral because of coronavirus restrictions. Scott Morrison called Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk yesterday, appealing for her to allow an exemption for the woman. Ms Palaszczuk said she wasn't responsible for making decisions about exemptions and said the phone call was a blatant attempt at bullying. And the New South Wales government is in turmoil after the Nationals leader and Deputy Premier John Barillaro said his party would no longer support its legislation in Parliament. Barillaro said all Nationals MPs would move to the crossbench. The disagreement was triggered by proposed planning regulations that would make it harder for landholders to clear koala habitats on their property. 7am is a daily show from The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. It's produced by Ruby Schwartz, Atticus Basto and Michelle Macklem. Elle Marsh is our features and field producer in a position that's supported by the Judith Nielsen Institute for Journalism and Ideas. Brian Compo mixes the show. Our editor is Osman Faruqi. Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. New episodes of 7am are released every weekday morning. Subscribe in your favourite podcast app to make sure that you don't miss out. I'm Ruby Jones. See you next week.